You're listening to The Counseling Clinic with Aisha G. And Lisa Michelle, the show for up-and-coming mental health professionals, advocates, and anyone else who wants to learn more about the mental health field from two not-so-professional professionals. Hello, folks. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. If you're a returning listener, if you're new here, we're happy to have you. So today we'll talk about therapeutic spaces. So, you know, this is... Well, I guess it's not still, but we talked about um, starting this season with uh, graduates, new graduates. Um, You may be looking for jobs. And so we want to talk about keeping uh, about how to set up your space. You know, you may be thinking aesthetically, oh, I got a new office. What do I want to do? Things like that. But also um, about keeping your clients in mind, too. Um, You may have an online space. You may have an actual office, you may have a shared space, uh, all of those different things. You may have other people's stuff or be looking for your own stuff. So we want to kind of talk about how to work with those different, I guess, confinements. I like that. I like that. Okay. I I think it works too. Okay. (laughs) Um, Because one of the things for me coming into this episode is that I've been seeing so many clinicians putting things on social media, you know, they are, and kind of the first thing we want to address is photos of spaces on like your website or your Instagram page. Yes. Yeah. And that for me has, I've been seeing so much of that. And so kind of begin beginning to explore this idea of like, is it a marketing thing? Is it a comfort thing? Kind of, mm-hmm. you know, how do you set up your space that looks really good on Instagram and is therapeutic? Uh, so that's how that kind of came up for us. And then also, I think with that, like the um, idea of the mental health uh, kind of pandemic itself, right? Absolutely. Um, we, I was, I was talking to somebody, somebody who, who specifically has a, a practice that they designed specifically to create a therapeutic environment with an, an interior designer. Um, and she was talking about, you know, the pandemic that we're currently in, but also the mental health pandemic that people didn't realize was already a pandemic. They just, <laughs> they, <laughs> they think it just started, but it didn't just start. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, my point in saying that is that that is likely why we're seeing more pictures of stuff, right? Um, yeah. But also, you know, it's not just for show, you know, we may be seeing people just showing stuff, but also there's a, there needs to be purpose behind it and, and a method to the madness, um, so to speak. Right. Um, so yeah. One of the things for me with this idea of having your photos of your space on your website or your Instagram profile or something for me, I kind of, I love that. Um, as long as I think I like it too. Yeah. well, so I'm always that person who I'm not good with directions and <laughs> things being mapped out. So if I see, okay, this is what the outside of the building looks like, or this is the reception area. When I get there, I'm like, okay, I'm in the right place. This picture matches oh this goodness. space. And I think that I every time. I didn't think about that, but I thought the same thing. I went to a building, I saw their pictures online, um, and I was thinking, okay, is this the right place? Because it doesn't look the same. And then right. I looked at the pictures again, and I was like, oh, the outside looks different. That's why I was confused. They mm, need a okay. new picture. Okay. <laughs> but I didn't realize I, but- that that was something that was important to me. Like, I didn't realize that's why I was doing yeah. that. I was like, is this right? But that's why, because the picture didn't match. 
you've got us anxious people out here who are trying to really make sure we've got <laughs> right. good roadmaps to everything. Um, but, but even on that note, even outside of just making sure you're in the right place, it can be comforting. You know, I think there's this sense, I think we're shying away from it now in the media. Y'all know I'm always bringing the media into this. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the things we used to see on television, movies, what have you, have been very sterile, white walls, yeah, gray furniture, yeah. minimal uh, color, right? And a bunch of textbooks right. everywhere. I think we're shying <laughs> right. away from that now. Um, mm-hmm. And I think people need to see that. I had yeah. a client come in pretty recently and I believe in some color. I mean, I wear black clothes all the time just because I've always done that. <laughs> but, um, and I don't do a lot of loud color as like generally. So I've been mm-hmm. working on that. Um, so I've added some soft kind of muted some are kind of bright, but some are kind of muted colors um, in my office. And um, I had a client as she was leaving. She's like, I love this room. It's just like on TV. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I know that was such a compliment, but I was so surprised. Yeah. yeah. That was so comforting. And we talked and we joked about it. I was like, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you see these TV therapists and they're terrible. But right? then I gave her an example <laughs> right. from uh, the Mindy Kaling show, Never Have I Ever. Or what is that what it's called? Never I, I haven't watched something. that one. It's great. And the therapist on there is great. But anyway, so we talked about that. It. But maybe that's not what it's called. I can't remember. But it's on Netflix. Um, but it, it was this comforting thing of like, okay, we're getting there with people. People are now seeing. Yeah. It's not as scary and intimidating and sterile as it maybe used to be. Right. And I think it also um, can add some comfort in the sense of um, helping people know what they're walking into. You know, like we talk about we talk about first time clients and a lot and them not really knowing what to expect. But, you know, um, like with the pictures online, at least they can expect something from the space, at least, you know. Yes. and then also, you know, like also just for me, I happen to like the bookcase. Um, <laughs> no, I love a bookcase. I, li- I like the bookcase. Um, and then also it's it's functional, you know, like, yeah. um, oh, okay, wait, let me grab that real quick. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Even while you're with a client, let me, let me pull this for you. Uh, yep. you know, if it like, yep. um, even with like, uh, you know, like if you, if you're counseling children, then you have like a treasure box there or something like that. Right. So I think yep. the bookcase can kind of be like the adult equivalent to me at least, you know? Yeah. And that's something that we're going to get into, but one of, I think things, ha- having things in the room that are practical as well yes. as just, they look good is helpful. Yes. Um, so y'all know us, we've got the articles below. in the show notes, but Graham Riley in one of the articles below writes about, um, Stephanie Liddicote, um, and her work for spaces in middle health in particular, um, and like, as far as interior designing, and we're about to list some of the things that she thinks are crucial to designing a space for mental health. And the first one is that clients do notice they pay attention to these things, whether or not right. we or they realize it, right, right. it is changing how they respond to us. But the next thing on her list and his list, as he's a journalist here, um, right. <laughs> is windows. Having, uh, what do you call it? I think the other article talks about no interior offices. Clients yeah. need to see kind of this escape or this freshness a little mm-hmm. bit to a good view. Now, if, you're, if your view is the dumpster, I mean, you know, maybe like get one of those fake 
like the, like some fake wallpaper. right like the window cleans or <laughs> make something a fake, like yeah, yeah make a fake window right <laughs> i agree though or uh, i wonder if like a scenery picture can be can suffice too you know like um like you know what i mean like a picture of the beach or a picture of trees outside or you know like things like that so that actually is one in another article by Tori DeAngelis. She says having views of art that are not related to uh, mental health. And she mm-hmm. calls them brain breaks, which I love that idea. Because I think here lately I've been seeing a big push to have like one of the things I found, I thought it was really cute. I ordered for myself off Etsy is um, it's like rainbow multicolored, uh, but it's the synapse in the brain working and so the neurotransmitters in the middle love it it's you know really i love cute. a good brain picture i love a brain right <laughs> however there needs to be other things in your office that are yes. not related to the brain um yeah. i've seen a lot of people with like inspirational quotes and mm-hmm. brain ish like it's okay to feel this way or whatever yeah people and don't I- always want to be surrounded by that Exactly, exactly. And and I think that we forget that sometimes those can be really cheesy too. You know, like yes. like we we all love a good quote, right? But again, we don't we have to be surrounded by it all the time. And then not everything is quote worthy, you know. Live laugh love, y'all. Live right. laugh love. I see that everywhere. Right. You know, not everything is quote worthy, but but That's some right. of it is just is like it as meaningful as it's supposed to be and helpful as it is intended to be it's not always that way absolutely Uh, and I think and one of the things mentioned in the Graham Riley article is greenery so speaking of windows mm -hmm. and And trees and tree think taking away the very sterile look is have some dadgum plants in your office yeah um whether they're fake I got fake plants in mine because I'm not trying to upkeep y'all yes um, right I, I've killed cacti so you know <laughs> I'm gonna just <laughs> we're doing what we can I get good quality fake plants but they're fake but having something where it is this sense of life and freshness and um again a brain break for clients yeah the greenery is is really important to me I find myself saying that like even at home you know I need I need some green stuff around where it's the green <laughs> absolutely um but another thing on the list on Lindy Linda Coates by way of Riley's articles right, <laughs> on that <right>. list <laughs> Um, is making privacy a priority and you know mm-hmm. we we learn about this in school and I think it's one of those things that we often need a reminder of often because we're not the ones creating the space. And so, you know, people forget about that. Like one of the things I learned was having a different way for people to come in and go out. Like those should be separate mm -hmm. places. And most offices just don't have that option that they they talk about, you know, making privacy a priority as best you can, you know, um, entrances, soundproofing, things like that. Yeah. And that's something too, that I've come to notice more and more is a priority in in the practice I'm with because people, especially when they're in a very emotional state, they can get loud. Yes. And yeah. I get it. Been there myself. Right. Um, right. But that happens. So it's very important to make sure that there is kind of extra precaution for when that happens because it's going right. to happen. Right. Or even like, um, I know I'm finding 
not necessarily a lot, but I guess like more places that are kind of tucked away, you know, like that's good too. And you think, well, it's hard to find, but also, I mean, you only have to find it once, right? You, <laughs> after that, you know what right. I said, right? So, right. but, um, but having that tucked awayness for a little bit of extra privacy, I think that's helpful too. Another thing in the same article was, um, clearing the space or making it clear from those who have gone before. So in the sense that surfaces and textures don't leave a trace of previous clients. One of the things that they found in their research is that they don't like to think about other people having been in the same room expressing their own struggle. Mm, that's um, interesting. Right? So they go further to say that a lot of clients in the the polls and the focus groups they were doing were saying they don't like to think about how the therapist is having to do this all day. Okay. All right. Okay. I can take that part of it because my mom was going a different way. I was thinking they don't like to think about the other clients, but you know, we have this idea in the mental health field, um, you know, you're not alone, right? right. The other people have gone through this too. Let's sure. normalize this. Or when you're going through something tragic, people people like to tell you about their um, experience yeah. with it. And for me, that doesn't work. I understand that other people need that, but that's that just doesn't work for me. Like I I don't need to be reminded that you also suffered. I don't feel better by you also experiencing tragedy. You know what I mean? Right. right. Um. But that's what I that's what my mind was like. Like is that really working for people? But I guess it makes sense when you say like, uh, they don't want to think about because they care about you. You know, again, that goes back to the the therapeutic yes. relationship, right? That's right. They, they want, they care about you. They want to please you, but they also don't want to think about what it's like for you to have to do this all day. Which when I read that and which is so sweet, now, right? It is. <laughs> but it reminded me that I've had clients say that to me. I had, I've had probably two or three that I can think of that they were at the moment, they were like, well, you know, you, you're the one doing this all day. How are you? And I've like, had that too. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. Guys, it's okay. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm trained to be able to handle this. Right. Like I'm good. Right. I appreciate it. That's very considerate. <laughs> it's not about me right now. You're right. Um, yeah. So it, it was nice to kind of hear that uh, validated. Of, yeah. Hey, make sure that you, you keep it which I think is, is, is a little off topic, but, you know, my personal therapist has told me, you know, there's this thing about, oh, if you do 50 minute sessions, you get 10 minutes for each thing and all that, which nobody does that. Let's be honest. They always either right. bleed over or we double book or something. Right. My therapist was saying she, she doesn't do like eight to nine. She'll do like eight to nine, the session, the next session won't be scheduled until like 9 30 or 10. I was she intentionally does like a 30 minute it. because for two reasons. One, she's like, you need a second. You just, yeah. Do. Uh, whether you do notes, whether you just breathe, you need a second. Yeah. The other thing is that it, to this point of you don't want to see other clients coming in and out. So mm -hmm. rushed back to back mm -hmm. because you don't want them to get that in their mindset. What were they just right. talking about? How's the therapist? Right. Right. So spreading out, even though it's not a space thing, it, it kind of is because if mm -hmm. you've got your waiting room backed up, that is going to create discomfort. Right. I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah. And then also, you know, the person side of it, right? Like she said, you need Absolutely. a minute. Like for me, 
I know that I can't work in a setting where I need to call somebody else just to go to the bathroom, right? Like, I right. Need, I need flexibility and room to move. Like, I need to be able to, I need there to be enough time between things for me to get water. Y'all, y'all know I'm devastated without water. <laughs> Mine is going to the bathroom. Like, <laughs> I swear they didn't prepare you in school for the fact that no matter how often you go to the restroom, you're going right. to have to go before every single session. You right. just need y'all. Please just go to the and, bathroom. But you know what, though? That's a cue for me when my life is too hectic. When I realize, mm. oh, wait, I am running out of time to use the bed. I got to get out of this. This is not working for me. That's a cue for me. So, but that's, but like I said, I know that about myself. Yeah. I know that I need that kind of time in between. I need that flexibility, yeah. you know? So, so I think that does go with, I mean, like you said, it's a little bit off topic. It's not a, a physical <laughs> space, but right. I think that that's something to keep in mind to your sure. timing because it does play into the space because again if you've got a right, waiting room right. backed up especially if there's more than one uh clinician in your practice let's say there's you know a few of y'all right or not even like they're they're sitting in the waiting room because there are other clients but if again if you're going to the bathroom and you have them waiting for for five extra minutes while you're doing that then that makes a difference too so the last one from this article is uh, making the space rearrangeable, which I thought was interesting because mm -hmm. so I love a fun fact about uh, Lisa Michelle, you guys, is that <laughs> I love to rearrange things. I've been that way since I was a child. I did it in college with my dorm room. I would just rearrange just because just like, let's see, let's see how this feels. Let's go with it. Um, so I, I recently rearranged my office just for the fun of it. I had a client cancel. So I was like, Okay, cool. Let's just rearrange. So I did. And then, of course, all of the clients, first thing they say when they walk in is like, oh, this is different. Right. Right. And so I have to say every time, yeah, I just like, you know, whatever. But to their point in this article is that it 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 isn't stagnant. You know that you can have a little bit of wiggle room and that it is a real place. Mm -hmm. It's not so confining. You know, yeah. the, the desk isn't nailed to the floor, if you will. And yeah, and I think that I I like that. For me, I don't tend to rearrange. I find that I'm more of a functionality person. Like I love pretty stuff and I need it to be cute, right? With the function. <laughs> it's, right. It's gotta look cute and be functional, but I need both of them. And so I like if uh Things are just getting out of control for me and I need more functionality. That's when I feel myself getting fidgety and I'm like, okay, things have to change. Let's rearrange then. But um, I could also see like um, that being a, a good or a bad thing for a client. Like sure. they may need, like certain clients may need a warning, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm thinking about rearranging because for some of them, they like kids, you know, kids need repetitive. They need, yes. <laughs> they need structure as much as they fight you on it. They need it. You know, <laughs> you know, when you go to the kindergarten class, <laughs> no, we do our ABCs yes. first, right? <laughs> Like they need the structure. So, you know, I think some of them might need a warning. Hey, this may be different when you come back. So that's one of the things that I, on this note of the recently I rearranged, I taught, as soon as I opened the door, I was like, yeah, I rearranged, I know. And I, I've right. talked to them about it, you know, but with my kids uh, that I see when I was moving into this office, 
Um, mm-hmm. we switched long story. So I moved into this <laughs> office and of course I didn't have everything, you know, on the wall and stuff. And so I would ask them, I was like, so, you know, I'm moving into this office. Where would you put this? What, what do you think? Yeah. I, I would have did that too. Again. And it was, it was, you know, it was so, it was so such a blessing to look at, like to watch them mm-hmm. do that because they would look around be like, well, I don't know, maybe right there. Or mm-hmm. if you put this, like, it was so cute. Um, yeah. But I also like letting them have some ownership of the space, which again yes. has yeah. to be done carefully. But with the, the children that I, they're preteens really, but the ones that I see, that's what they need in their life right now is to yes. have some yep. autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even as, as, you know, like, even as far as to say some control, right? Sure. sure. So I lied. The actual last thing from this article <laughs> is probably my favorite one they mentioned because it makes a hundred percent sense. I'm on board. I just didn't think mm-hmm. about it. Right. It is that the quality and the height of the therapist's chair versus the couch or the love seat they are sitting on. Mm-hmm. And I love that point. You know, if you're sitting on a lazy boy recliner and they're on like a futon, right? They're obviously going to feel less than, right? Right. So the fact that they they are, whether or not it's fully to their mind or not, they are picking up on if you're sitting in um, a really nice leather and they're sitting on a pretty cheap couch or mm-hmm. those kind of things. So keep that in mind. Okay. Did they do the other side? Like, did they do like, um, if the client has the better quality thing? Yes. So, well, okay. So not in this article. So this could segue. Let's go back to the <laughs> DeAngelis article below. Um, in their article, they explain that the client's chair or loveseat or couch, whatever you're doing, is also something that they consider. It's mm-hmm. more than just a comfort thing that they can like sink in and, and really be able to open up in, but also quality. Yeah. Uh, again, is this, is this, you know, are you letting them sit on a really nice, beautiful couch and you're in kind of a cheap chair? Right. So that also shows that you're not investing in yourself. You're yeah. not providing a professional space for yourself. Right. So right. noticing things like texture, color, material, cushioning, right? I mean, if you give mm-hmm. them a pew bench to sit on, it's going to be harder for them to open up, right? Right. And then keep in mind that, um, like I mentioned at the beginning, your space can also be virtual. Right. Um, it could escape you that you still have to maintain the professionalism of that space too. But they talk about that as well. Like um, when you do your uh, your BCTMH training, you'll hear a lot about um, camera placement, right? Um, right? And so like the chair and stuff like that, like all of that stuff matters even when the space is virtual. And we'll talk more about the virtual space in a second, but um, all of that stuff still matters. Absolutely. Um, something I found to be just fascinating is this idea of, um, softness, right? Mm -hmm. Both articles talk about this. You know, when I was talking about the leaving a trace thing, um, they say one of the ways to really avoid that is soft materials in the office. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and one of the things I think is why I think it's interesting is because we're kind of in this trend right now of like clean geometric lines and, Mm -hmm. you know, 
nice and neat, if you will. And yet, whether you're adding a texture of like a soft pillow or something else, maybe a, a soft rug, something in order to make sure that clients see that it has a soft, welcoming, again, contrast with the sterile, um, very strict, separated spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that too. How do you feel? This was not in the articles, but I'm just curious. How do you feel about coffee tables or some kind of table in between the client, the therapist? Um, so it doesn't bother me, um, on either side, like on the client side or like, like when I'm a client or when I'm the professional, it doesn't bother me. I think that's like a normal thing in a room. Um, I, I understand, um, (laughs) that some people do see it as like a, a separator or, um, you know, um, maybe even a hindrance. Um, you know, I, I know that we learn about like not having things in between you guys and, um, you know, things like that. Um, but it, it doesn't bother me personally. I think either way is fine depending on what I'm doing. Um, I think like, I think, in choosing different spaces, like, you know, like if I work at a school, right. Um, and they have tables or desks or whatever. And like, I tend to sit on the same side as a client and then they have access to the table so that like, if we're working on something, if they might be drawing or doing a worksheet or something like that. Um, I think that that's what it, how it tends to work. Like we tend to sit on the same side, but you know, seeing other clinicians, like with me as the client, I feel like they have mostly had something in between us yeah. um, that doesn't really bother me. Does that answer the question at all? I feel like absolutely. absolutely. Okay. <laughs> like I said, it was just an opinion thing. Mm-hmm. For me, I've been the same way. I've had where I was the client, I've had therapists who did and didn't have a coffee table. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it depends on what is on the coffee table. You know, if you got books and papers Mm -hmm. and stuff, no, I think that is dumb. Uh, (laughs) I can see. But if you have like the probably the second therapist I had, and she had a coffee table between us, she had like tissues, she had a coaster, I think Mm -hmm. she had a little bit like a mints or something. Yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. That's that's what my table would look like. Um, Now I will say I did see a guy, um, and he had his his coffee table was really low, and I thought that that was weird. Um, I need that to hurry up and die out. I don't like. Yeah, his and that was that was a, a. several years ago that I saw him but um his coffee table was really low it it was like I said it didn't bother me at all it was just like I wouldn't have done this weird. myself yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just weird that it was that yeah. low he also had kind of this sinky sofa too um and so I guess like you know when you sink into the sofa then you're kind of that low anyway but it, it was just it's kind of weird but I'm I'm sure that that was like because he was at a school, like I'm sure that that was like leftover furniture. That's not sure that he specifically sure. chose. You know what I mean? Um, and I'll say this: I've been in the place where you're working with leftover furniture, because mm-hmm. that very much happens, especially when you're getting started. Yeah, it right. is. There is a way to make it work, or you can yeah. address it. You know, if somebody says, "Oh, this is nice," but like, thanks. You know, this is 
you know. I've done that. I mean, I know people may judge me on that, but I've been like, yeah, you know, um, I'm trying to make it my own or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm y'all, I'm all about being honest with them. Well, not only that one, I think that's important, right? To be honest and, and model honesty, but also I think that that adds to like the genuineness. That's regular conversation. Like we don't have to be clinician and client if every second, you know, like, just like, that's regular. Which I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I've thought about that so many times, you know, because I, I do try to do that, you know, help them yeah. feel more comfortable, relaxed, or, you know, if it was a harder session as we're walking, I walk them, you know, to the waiting room door and stuff, just regular conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah, me too. And you know, I'm, I'm definitely my absolute self with, with yes. clients and their families yes. and everybody. <laughs> Agreed. I can see anything. <laughs> I am definitely myself, but I think that that you know things like that, like just talking about the regular stuff at the and and people say stuff like that when they're uncomfortable too. You know, like yeah. Yeah. um, you're coming into therapy and you don't know what to do. Oh, um, I like your table. You know, like yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's okay to engage in that with them. I don't. I don't. You know, I think that's okay. Um, the last few from this article a do dress address a good bit of um things to caution so one of them is cautioning the use of screens um you know mm-hmm. so i know and this happened to us when we were in more of the nonprofit or community mental health mm-hmm. stage of like having to do your intake or do your notes on a computer yeah. yes. while you're talking with the client if you can avoid that and again sometimes you can't we mm-hmm. know um, but if you can avoid using screens, try, try to, um, yeah. because it does make, and the article addresses this, it makes them wary of mm-hmm. what are you writing? Are you recording? What if you're not paying attention? You know, those are things right. that are going through their minds. Right. And even like for me, eventually I have to get around to the computer because we have like, um, digitized notes and things like that. Um, but eventually I have to get around to the, to the computer, but I like to take paper notes as well. But I think, you know, I would imagine that most of us learn this, but I think talking to them about it, you know, mentioning, I'm just going to be writing down some of the stuff that you're saying, you know, it's no big deal. Um, or if if you can see that they're wondering um what you're writing you know it looks like you have some concern about my what i'm writing do you, uh, yes. do, do you have any questions um you know do you want to see it whatever the case may be um things like that so i think you know that's an easy enough fix but i do agree that like um specifically with the screen you know i yeah. think it's different yeah. when you when you um have to look down for a second to write it but if you're looking at the screen the whole time right um i They're think that, that can be a, yeah i think that that Absolutely. can be a big issue and i think it also um specifically like for the intake i think that it can take away from some of the humanity of it um i totally agree yeah you know like it makes it feel more sterile okay i'm just here answering these questions you know even though i don't like for me i that's just how i work i have more of a discussion than a uh, question and answer type deal um 
which, and I'm sure most, most clinicians do too, but, um, you know, if the client is sitting there only answering questions and you're just typing away, then, you know, no relationship is really being built at that time. And their, you know, intakes take a while. So they just sitting there feeling uncomfortable the whole time, you know? Um, so I, I would agree with that. If you could, um, take away from the screen some, then, you know, do your best with that. Even if it's as simple as, okay, let me write this down on the computer and then let's take a minute for you to sign some of these documents. You know, if you make the most of that time, um, I think that that can help with it not feeling like it's all on screen and you're doing one thing and they just giving you the information. You know what I mean? Like maybe just, uh, you know, make, I don't know how else to say it other than make the most of that time. Yeah, just be more, be intentional about being more personable. Yeah. Thank you. You fixed that for me. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, That's why we work together. Right. Because, you know, you've been fixing so many of my things all these years. Shut (laughs) up. Um, so the last one from this article, which I want to bring this back to the thing about things like Instagram and the online situation. The last one from this is be careful of items that are too pricey, right? Um, es- yeah. Especially if you are serving low SES clients and you know that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, again, we've talked about they're aware of your chair, their chair, the softness of the textures, the colors in the room. They're aware if you're using very over the top lamps or yeah. um, mm-hmm. really nice quality and uh, quality is important. You don't want them to be sitting on futons. Right. Sure. Exactly. But this is where the Instagram and, and the, the influencer vibe kind of comes up mm-hmm. in do, trying to market yourself and, and be an influencer and support mental health online. Those are important, but I know it's so easy to then want to buy really trendy, really pricey yes, items. Yeah. And as, as the client, as the client that can make it for feeling uneven or unequal or mm-hmm. weak. I mean, there or have been so many than. times, absolutely. There have been so many times where I've been, um, struggling with finances, right. Struggling mm-hmm. without having insurance and, and then right. going to an office <laughs> And everything is like, you know, expensive and high price and high quality. And then you have to say, oh, by the way, I'm not sure I can afford this session. (laughs) Right. What is your sliding scale payment plan? But no, seriously. And so then to do that. So please, even if you're trying to be an influencer marketing yourself and those things are, are not wrong, right. Mm -hmm. They can be very helpful. Remember that your actual clients in the room maybe very turned off. Right. I think, so if I can just say that, I think that a few things were left out of these articles. I would say, I think it's important to have some of yourself in your space. Yes. Right. But I also think that there should be enough room in your Mm -hmm. space for the client to have a space, you know? So if you love expensive lamps, have one, right? Um, But don't have eight. 
but don't have eight of them right if if you um and and even if it's something like you know you normally get compliments on that lamp you know that can be something that's a conversation started between you and yeah. a client there is yeah. nothing wrong with that and also your clients like to know some stuff about you you know they don't have to know everything but they they do like to know some stuff about you you know mm-hmm. and i think that's okay to have have some of you in your space but again just leave room for your clients too right don't have everything that's ridiculously expensive or you know i'm i'm a bargain shopper i like cute stuff i like functional mm-hmm. stuff i like stuff that that you know speaks to me but also it can't cost a, a, a million dollars right <laughs> heard that it can't it can't cost That's that right. much like <laughs> Like there's certain stuff I'm gonna buy from certain places because I'm going to be frugal about it. Right. But also, you know, I'm not going to treat my space like, okay, you know, I, I, I would never want my space to give the impression you're not worth this much. So I'm only going to buy these. Um, I'm only going to take these hand-me-downs and you know what right. I mean? Right. Like just be my, have room for the other person. Absolutely. So then the other thing I felt like was left out was where to sit. Um, and I okay. think clinicians know what I'm talking about, like as far as safety and things like that, like where yeah. does the clinician sit and where does the client sit? And the reason that's kind of disappointing to me is because I think that that is very important in mental health, right? Yeah, in dealing with mental health. And so it leaves me with the concern of, is this, or are we talking about this um, in actual regards to mental health or are we only looking at the influencer side, right? Are we only talking about the aesthetics? And so I, I just, I'm, I'm disappointed that that was not mentioned at all. Um, but I'd like to think that clinicians are taking that into consideration. So, you know. I will say, remember why you said. <laughs> I will say one of the articles, and I hate that I don't remember which one, they addressed that clients like to see the door, um, but that was it. Okay. I was like, well, okay. But most of the rooms, y'all can both see the door. Right? But, okay. <laughs> what room y'all live? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I agree. That's funny. I agree. So then again, your space can also be, be virtual. Um. So it's 2021. Obviously, we've had... um episodes about telemental health counseling, you know, um, being in a virtual space, having sessions virtually. And and we know that we have to do it, but the space again still counts, right? So your space should still be professional and you'll talk about that or you'll, you won't be talking, you'll be listening. So, but you'll, you'll learn about that in your uh, BCTMA training if you haven't had it yet. Um, you know, your degrees can still be on the wall, probably should still be on the wall. Yes. Um, you know, you still need a quiet space with limited background noise, right? Uh, minimal distractions. All of that stuff is still important. Again, you know, like I mentioned, the um, the placement of your camera. Um, one of the things you'll hear a lot about in the training is lighting, right? Um, yes. Being able to um see each other's faces and different angles of the light will cast different shadows on your face and you <laughs> that's that's gonna look pretty strange if you don't have your light set up the right way so right. um being mindful of those things for me one of the important things with um virtual 
sessions is is the camera view. Um, yes. Remember that the the box screen of yourself is not <laughs> right. the lens. Okay? Right. So you're actually right. looking to the corner or to the side. You're not exactly. looking at the lens. Right. So I right. do try to make a point of remember to look up at the lens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For yes, me, you're watching them. Yes. But also right, remember, right. they don't want to see your eyeballs, you know, look into the side. Right, right. For me, I have my camera directly in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. and I try to put the window of um I try to put the window as close to the camera as possible so right. that I can like I can be looking directly while I'm looking at them, it looks like they're looking at like it looks like I'm looking at them. Right. Right. Um and then you should be in the middle of, of the camera right. view. You don't wanna be, you know, the the person who looks like they're conducting the session from their cell phone or yes. looking to the side of or going in and out of the view yes. and things like that. Um, all of that is still about your space. And it's still very important um, because as much as we like to pretend that there's um, only convenience in the virtual space of mental health, it is still mental health and it is still hard and it is still uncomfortable Absolutely. when you first start. And even after you start, because you know, it's there hard. might be technical issues and um, freezing yeah. and different things like that. And so, you know, it it's still uncomfortable. So we still have to, to make it work. Absolutely. And then um, another thing for me, is I tend to have a lot of things open on my screen. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, be mindful of that if you're in a session, um, having different things open and looking at all over the place. You probably right. don't want to do that. Right. Um, and then remember, even if you are doing like you may be in an office with other professionals in the space or yes. even clients in the space at the time while you're conducting a virtual um, session. So you also want to... Um, Keep that in mind as far as noise and background distractions is concerned. Um, You know, you may have to tell your coworkers that you're in a virtual session. Um, Yes. If if your building is not quiet enough, Um, you may consider even telling the client, you know, I'm I'm in the office. There's another clinician here. Uh, You may hear that in the background. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So think about those things, too. Absolutely. For myself, I want to go back for something that was a little bit uh, convicting, but just a a really good reminder uh, from the DeAngelis article. It's not about you. It's about them. Um, My favorite line besides the chair thing, I thought that was the best, um, was remember who you're serving. And whether it's because of SES or because of the, Mm -hmm. the topics that you're working on, remember your space again you want it to be rearrangeable and adjustable because it's for them that's why we have these areas and in this sense of safety in the room so that was very very powerful to me of of, yes you want to look professional and yes you want to be inviting you you want them to feel safe and secure and welcomed Right. That line is powerful to me because it's a reminder to actually do it. You know, I talk to y'all all the time about how we say stuff. You know, we have these regular sayings in the field that's just like... All right, y'all, that sound cute, but nobody's doing that, right? <laughs> like, right. 
right. meet them where they are. Well, when was the last time you met a person, you know? <laughs> so, but I like that they, they actually talk about, you know, remember that you're serving them by doing it this way, right? Yes. Um, so I like that it's actually meaningful. It's not just a cheesy thing to say because people like to hear it. So that is it, y'all. That's all we got. So so let us know your thoughts and experiences. Um, are you a client who has noticed that you find a certain decor more therapeutic? Uh, tell us about that. We'd love to hear about that. If you're a clinician who has focused a lot on this area, um, maybe you could share some insight with us about um, some things you've learned in doing this. And then, of course, if you feel like we left something out or you have a follow-up question, of course, let us know that, too. We definitely want to grow and be saying the right stuff. Um, or we would love to give you feedback if we can, right? So that's all, and we'll see you guys next time. See ya. listening to the counseling clinic with Aisha Jane and Lisa Michelle. Remember to check out our website at thecounselingclinicpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at the counseling clinic podcast. We'll see you guys by our next session. Bye guys. The music provided by Scott Holmes And our show is edited and produced by Chris Luke.